I'm going to teach you all about chains. See, yeah, chain. Now, a chain is an individual link that is welded together to other individual links, and it makes a chain. Isn't that a beautiful chain? So you have chains like this, and those are kind of big chains. I've got to be really careful putting it on this wood. Then you have, you, you not only have that, you have, you have colorful chains. Look at that. Isn't that great? Now, I know what you all are thinking right now. Wow, I'm really glad I came to Wednesday night worship. <laughs> colorful chains. And then, you know, chains are just, chains are very useful in life. And then you have chains that are, really long. All the links go together. You know, chains are very useful in life. How many of y'all have ever rode a bicycle? Raise your hand. Okay. To make that bicycle go, you have to have a bicycle chain. And you remember sometimes when you were little, the chain would come off, so you had to put the bike upside down and you had to try to put that chain on, and it would drive you nuts because you couldn't exactly get it the way. Hey, when you, all were, when you all were small, I mean, it could have been yesterday too, I don't know, but when you, remember when you used to get those playing cards in a, in a clothespin, and you used to put them on your bicycle and turn your bike over and, and it make it seem like you're in a racing car? See, that was a chain. chain chains help that happen. You know, you have keychains, right? How many of you all have keychains, see? They're linked together, and so you can be able to link things together. That's why you have keychains. You also have chains for your tires when it's cold and icy outside, when it's icy outside. Now, I'm just going to say this. If you own a pair of those, somebody ripped you off really bad because <laughs> I don't think we ever need those around here. But up north right now, they're really using chains for that. See, chains also, if you look in the plants and everywhere you go, you're going to see that some some way, somehow, chains are very important to how we live life. It's just kind of how it is. And so chains are very useful. You know, I had these chains right here. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about chains. However, I know chains are very useful in life, but tonight I'm going to talk probably about a not-so-happy part of chains. And that is the chains that are used either physically or spiritually, when it comes to oppressing God's people. Now you go, oh, wow, stay with me for a minute. Because if you stick with me long enough when I talk about chains, and when I talk about these chains, if you stick with me long enough, I'm going to talk to you about how to overcome these chains that may get us sometimes. See, chains are really good, and chains are supposed to be good and used, but sometimes chains can really damage us too if chains are the kind that oppress us. And so if you stick with me long enough, you're going to be happy you did because we are going to show what God can do in the life of a believer and in the life of someone who does not know him. And so I ask that you take your Bibles and let's turn to Exodus 2. Now Exodus 2, if you start reading Exodus 2, you're going to see that at this point in life, Israel is in slavery to Egypt. Probably about 430 years of slavery. Um, some people can debate that, but most people just say 430 years around there that Egypt is in slavery 
I mean, Israel's in slavery to Egypt. So this is what I would call the physical oppression of God's children. This is when they took Israel as slaves and then they treated them in a certain way to not be able to let them live their own life. That's called oppression. And so if we look in Exodus 2, I just kind of want you to understand Exodus 2 to a certain point, and then we're going to read a scripture. You see at the very first part of Exodus 2 that Moses is born, and all that goes on with Moses, and then Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses, and then you see that all the stuff happens with that, and then what happens, it says a little bit later in Exodus 2, that Moses grows and goes out one day, and this is what it says in there. Moses grows up and goes out, and I'm paraphrasing this, but basically it says Moses goes out and he sees the burden of his people. And so Moses is an Israelite and he sees the burden of his people. And Moses then is walking around and Moses sees an Egyptian that is being cruel and mean to one of the Israelites, one of his Hebrew brothers. And Moses kills the Egyptian. And so... What it is, is that we see right there just the physical oppression that happens when Israel was in, in slavery to Egypt. You know, there were rules and different things like this, but most of the time it was a burden. It was an oppression on Israel because someone had taken them and used them as slaves for their own purpose to be able to do what they want them to do. So he kills this Egyptian, he flees to the wilderness... And so it goes on in Exodus 2 and tells about that. Then we get down to verse 23. And in verse 23, it says this. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. See, they groaned to God because they were under such physical oppression that they groaned to God because of the bondage, and they cried out. You know, physical oppression can make you do that. When, it, when someone actually takes you physically and against your will makes you do stuff that you really shouldn't do, that makes you groan, that makes you cry out to God. And then it says, And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. So what I'm saying here is basically that means this, God heard them. So one of the lessons that we have to understand from the Bible right here is this. When someone is in physical oppression, which means that they're being held without against their will, or they're being made to do something that's really against their will. We have to understand that God hears the cry of those people. And I also believe that when, in today's, since we have Jesus now in, in our hearts and we can intercede for people, I believe God also hears our cry for the people that are in physical oppression in this world today. And so my first point tonight is basically that God hears those that are physically oppressed. Psalms 9.9 says this, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And so like I said, the Israelites in Exodus 2 were probably 
you know, they were maybe at 350, 400 years of slavery in which they just had to do so many things. They were just slaves during this time. Now listen, I just want to say this because I think that we have to understand this. I personally have never in my life been physically oppressed. Does that make sense to you? Personally in my life, I have never been physically oppressed. Really what physically oppressed, the definition of physically oppressed is this. To be treated in such a way in hardship that you have no freedom and that one compels you to do an unreasonable service against your will. Now, I personally have to say that I never in my life have been physically oppressed. Now, I don't know about everybody else in here, but probably in America, where we live, other than people, and we've got to say that other than you might, you know, people have been abused, people have been that, that in their life. I understand that. But most of the people in this room, we probably haven't been physically oppressed in the way that you define physically oppressed. And let me kind of define what I'm talking about. In 1525 to 1866, there was something that we call the transatlantic trade, slave trade. And from those dates, there were 12.5 million Africans that were shipped to the new world. They were captured they were chained, they were put on a boat, and they were sent to the New World. Now, this included North America, this included the Caribbean, this included South America, it included that whole area. And so 12.5 million Africans were captured, they were chained, they were put on a boat, and they were sent across the ocean. And when they landed, only 10.7 million were still alive. So in the, in the travel from Africa to wherever they went, they lost about two million because of the, just the physically oppression that went on with these people. That's what I would say would be physically oppressed. I've never been captured. I've never been chained. I've never been put on a boat. So really, I, I cannot say to you that I've been physically oppressed like what the Israelites were and then what like the Africans were back in the slave trade. You know, when we went to Israel, which was a, you know, just a blessing of my life, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to go, we had a chance to go one day to the Holocaust Museum. Boy, what a, what a touching place to go. But from 1933 to 1945, there were 11 million Jews that were killed during the Holocaust. 9.5 million of those were killed in Europe where they would take the Jews, they would chain them, they would put them in camps, they would take away their freedom, they would physically oppress them in such a way that by the time this was over in 1945, 63% of all Jews that were in Europe had been killed. 63%. That's what I would call physical oppression. So I want you to understand, when I'm talking about physical oppression, I'm talking about something that sometimes we feel like we're oppressed, 
but physical oppression is something like the Holocaust. So that's in their past. And yet today what we have is we have up to 20 million people right now as we're in this service that have been kidnapped and around the world are being human trafficked to be slaves, to work child labor. In the dark corners of the internet, children are being kidnapped and sold to other people. 20 million people as we speak right now. Kidnapped, drugged, forced to be in labor camps, forced to have some kind of slavery. It's what we don't see. But as we speak right now, and it's becoming more and more of a factor in the world, not just America, but in the whole world, people are being trafficked to use the way that a person wants to use them. Chained, drugged, kidnapped, sold. That's physical oppression. Do you see, when I talk about the... Israelites, I, I'm not talking about that they just had a tough time, that they had a bad day. They were physically oppressed. They were captured. They were treated in a way that they weren't supposed to be treated. And that's physically oppressed. As we speak right now, there's 2.2 billion Christians in the world. And anywhere from 100 million to a million of those, I mean a hundred million, to even more than that, are being captured, taken to court because they believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, thrown in jail, taken before a town, and killed in front of the whole town so the town can say, or the people can say, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will die. Physical oppression. As we speak right now, those last two things are happening in our world as I speak. Christians around the world who want to stand up for Jesus Christ are dying. Physical oppression. And as I talk about physical oppression tonight, I just really have to say again, very few of us have really seen the sadness of physical oppression. Now I want to say this. And again, if you've been physically oppressed by abuse or something like that, you can cry out to God tonight and God will hear you. But most of us have not had physical oppression. How blessed we are to live in a country. Now, we're not a perfect country. But how blessed we are to live in a country that we can be here on Wednesday night and talk about Jesus Christ and someone doesn't rush in here and arrest us and throw us in jail. Isn't that right? How blessed we are to live in a country. Now, not a perfect country. We have our problems. To where none of us are going to go home and are kidnapped and made to do things that we wouldn't even think about and wouldn't even want to talk about. 
you know, Dottie in her prayer, I thought it was wonderful, Dottie. It was the Holy Spirit. But she says, the freedom that we have to come together tonight and worship. None of us are ever going to have to face that. So I'm so grateful that we live in a country, not a perfect country, and does some of that stuff go on in our country? Yes, it does go on in our country. But I know this. I'm standing here 58 years old, and I've never been physically oppressed the way I'm talking about physically oppressed. You know, sometimes I just get really upset over things that I don't need to get upset about. I don't get my food in time. <laughs> oh, come on. You know, you have to. I'm stuck on traffic going to the hospitals at 610 and 225. I'm going to have to find me another way to go. I sin too much that way. But, or somebody looks at me wrong or somebody says something wrong and it gets me all out of shape and I'm thinking I'm having the worst day in the whole world. I don't think we know what a worst day is. I think when we look in Exodus and look at the children of Israel, I just don't know if we can really say we had a worst day than they probably did in a lot of days. And so we live in a country where we have that freedom. And if you're here tonight and you're grateful for that freedom, I ask you to do one thing when it comes to physical oppression. Well, it's really two things. Number one is this. In Exodus 23, it says God heard the cries of His people. God heard the groanings of His people. So as we get in our cars tonight, and we go home and turn on our TVs, and we complain about the news, and we see what's in our pantry, and we see all this kind of stuff, I'm just asking you, because you're one of God's people, that you get on your knees every day and you pray for these that are in our world that are being physically oppressed and especially the ones that are living for Jesus Christ that are being arrested and killed while we're even here tonight. Because God hears the cry of His people. I believe God's church should stand up and pray for those that are physically oppressed. Pray for those that are in this world that are being trafficked all around this world the poor children and women that are being trafficked, pray for them. I think as God's children, God will hear us. And yet, I also believe that we just need to cry out to God. Judges 6, 9 says, And I delivered you into the hands, out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hands of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. First Samuel 10.18 says, And said the children of Israel, Thus says the Lord of God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all kingdoms and from all those who oppressed you. God will hear our cry as God's children. And I pray that we will pray 
that these that are in bondage, these that are in the chains of physical oppression, God will bring them out of that. So the first thing I ask when it comes to physical oppression is that. God will listen to the crying out of His people. But if you go to Exodus 3, God heard their cry and God sent Moses. God didn't just hear their cry, God sent someone. Maybe God will use you to help the oppressed people of the world, not just through prayer, but just ask God, God, what can I do? God, what can I do? Maybe God doesn't have anything for you to do when it comes to that. Maybe He does. But I know this, when God heard the prayers of Israel and God heard the moaning, God sent Moses. And I think we need to pray first and foremost more than anything. That's physical oppression. So I thought, well, that's good. We can talk about physical oppression. And then I thought, well, the devil is really alive and well when it comes to physical oppression in this world. But for us, we don't have physical oppression. And so the devil had to find a certain way. How's he going to get us? I mean, we have Jesus Christ in our heart. So the devil said, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Since I can't put them under the bondage of physical oppression... I'm going to find another type of oppression. I'm going to find spiritual oppression. If I can't put the people at First Baptist Church Pasadena under physical oppression, I mean, they're not going to get arrested. I'll, put, I'll try to put them under spiritual oppression. What do I mean by that? Turn to your Bibles to 2 Peter 2. Very interesting passage in 2 Peter 2. And we've already talked about this guy one time. But in 2 Peter 2, starting in verse 4, the scripture says, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preachers of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world on the ungodly, and turning to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them examples to those who afterwards would live ungodly. Now I'm in verse 7, verse seven right now. And delivered righteous Lot. See, righteous Lot. Lot was saved in the way. Right, Lot was righteous. But listen to what it said. Who was oppressed, spiritual oppression, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. So what the devil does for people that aren't under physical oppression is this. I'll make them go under spiritual oppression. And how do I do that? Well, slowly but surely, it's the same way that he did it to Lot. 
I mean, it's not like, it's, it's not like we don't know the schemes of the devil. We know them, right? He's going to try to get us. Since he can't send us to hell because we're saved, he's just going to try to rob our joy and put us under spiritual oppression. I believe if we're not careful, just like Lot, we can be led into the world's way and become spiritually oppressed. We may be saved, but we're not living for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here's a quote. Spiritual oppression is when the demon is temporarily victorious over a Christian, successfully tempting a Christian to sin and hindering his ability to serve God with a strong testimony. If a Christian continues to allow oppression in his or her life, the oppression can increase to a point that there is a very strong influence over the Christian's thoughts, behaviors, and spirituality. Christians who allow continuing sin open themselves up for greater and greater oppression. So what spiritual oppression is, is that we let sin into our lives, and it comes a little bit more, and then we let something else into our life, and then something else into our life, And before we know it, the invisible chains have wrapped us up and we're under spiritual oppression. That's why it's so, so important as Christians that we are in tune with Jesus Christ every day. That is why it's so important as Christians that we meet together to worship to praise God, to pray together, to encourage one another. See, if it happened a lot, I believe it could happen to me. And I believe if it can happen to me, it could happen to you. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Are you letting a sin in your life right now? You may not be physically oppressed, but the devil's working at making you spiritually oppressed. And if we're not careful, anybody in this room can fall prey to the schemes of the devil. You know what I got in my hand right here? A hundred and twenty-four sins. That's how many sins there are in the New Testament. 124. I can't read 124 sins. I've done a lot of these 124 sins. Can't read them, but this is 124 sins. 124 sins, one God, I'll take God. Confession 
and repentance of sin are necessary to break spiritual oppression in our lives. Confession and repentance will break spiritual oppression in our life. Because that's a lot of sins. But I, I believe my God's stronger than 124 sins. And, and spiritual oppression, one of these you may have to be dealing with. I mean, we're talking anger, bitterness, boasting, brawling, fearful, foolishness, foolish talking, false witness. They're in alphabetical order, so it's easy for me to read. Sad part is sometimes it's easy for me to do. If I don't stay in tune with God. Confession and repentance. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. <laughs> You're of God, and you've overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 124 sins don't mean anything to God. Because he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for these sins. And he is stronger than these sins. And he is in you if you have Jesus Christ in your heart. And he is stronger than any spiritual oppression or any sin that you've allowed in your life over the years. The Bible says in 1 Peter, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Israel had a hard time being slaves to Egypt. But you know, when we have Jesus in our heart, we're God's children. And God never intended us to be spiritually oppressed. God never intended us to be slaves to sin. So I ask tonight that if you are spiritually oppressed, if you have allowed some things in your life that we shouldn't have allowed in our life, Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. You confess that to God and repent and your fellowship with God will be restored. I know we all sin, but are you letting sin control your life?